This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, as artificial intelligence works more and more into our culture, the expectation of the level of change coming our way is being studied closely. But there will be change, no doubt about it. And our next guest suggests that labor will see some growing pains, even in the white-collar sector, before everything gets worked out. David Steinberg is co-founder and CEO of Zeta Global. David, pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Dan. I listen to you all the time, so it's great to be uh, great to be here. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, all right. So th- the question around labor and-, and AI, I think that's been maybe one of the most talked about components of this process really over the last few years, not even just the last few months. Right. So how do you how do you see the labor force being impacted by AI? Well, I mean, that's obviously a pretty loaded question, right? Because you've got multiple iterations of it. But, you know, as, as we think about generative AI and moving into, you know, large language models, which actually this will sound counterintuitive, but at Zeta, we believe we're going to move into small language models. But what, what you're going to see, in our opinion, is, you know, a massive disruption in the white collar world, right? So if you think about sort of technology in its evolution. So the ability to move information in real time is what drove a large offshoring of labor, right? You were able to move call centers overseas, programming, engineering was able to move overseas. You were able to move manufacturing. You know, I always joke, right? Like 100, 200 years ago, if you had a factory in India, you would want to, you'd have to write a letter that could take months to get to the factory manager on a change to manufacturing process. And there might be a problem with what you've told him to do. He'd have to write you a letter back. It would take months. That information yeah. moves freely. And that really affected U.S. labor and highly developed industrialized nations labor by allowing that to move to lower cost labor markets. What that did to that ecosystem, I believe AI is going to do to the law profession, to the accounting profession, where creativity and, you know, quote, making it rain will continue to be at a premium. But, you know, drafting contracts, doing tax returns, setting up a trust, all of those mundane features can easily be handled by generative AI. So then that would lead me to believe that we will see a level of job loss because obviously you won't need to have certain people in, in functions that traditionally they have been there uh, over the last several decades. Uh, but it probably also kind of leads to kind of a shift in terms of the types of jobs that will be available and exactly. the types of jobs that types of jobs that people uh, will, you know, study for in college or prepare for, you know, when they get into the workforce, that type of thing. Yeah, well, there was a great Goldman Sachs study that said 300 million jobs uh, are going to be disintermediated by AI. But the truth of the matter is there's two things happening that are, are going to offset that, right? So if you look back to back to the, the, the what's happened in the past, I always joke that, you know, you can look back and, and, Everything you think is the first time ever often has happened before in different ways, right? So you had the Gutenberg printing press 
Then you had the telephone, you had the computer, and then, of course, the Internet. In all four of those technological developments, the world was talking about how employment as we understood it would end. Nobody right. would ever work again. But at the same time, substantially more jobs were created by that technology than they destroyed. But you're exactly right. It's different jobs. So right. we might see the creation of hundreds of millions of jobs around AI programming and you know AI prompters and, and, and all of that type of stuff. The other thing we're dealing with from a humanity perspective is we've got a massively aging population globally. We don't have to look past Japan or the United States or now China to look at what a large percentage of the workforce is aging out. We can't replace that at our current birth rates. Uh, right. So AI will be able to pick up a lot of the slack for people who are just aging out of the workforce. And I think you're going to see some amazing new fields that are going to be created on top of artificial intelligence. Like what specifically? Well, I mean, you could look at an AI prompter. That might sound like an incredibly stupid thing, but it's going to take a very long time for artificial intelligence to really become what I would call creative, right? So when you look at the publishing industry, right, this is going to hit it. This is going to hit people who write articles, right? This is going to hit people who are editors, of articles. But at the same time, the computer doesn't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I want to write an article about Kim Kardashian today, right? Okay. Somebody has to know how to properly prompt that algorithm to come up with an article that will be top, a topic that people will want to read and timely, right? That's going to be a whole new type of profession. Uh, if you look at the legal field, Right. Even if you're using AI to generate a contract, you're going to need to put the terms and conditions for that contract in to the algorithm to get it to work. And the funny thing is you're going to need really smart people to do that type of stuff so we can get the contract right on the second or third try. <laughs> it's not going to do it on the first. <laughs> But, but right. you don't want it taking 100 tries. That sort of defeats the purpose. You know what I mean? Right. But unfortunately, the expectation is by a lot of people that they want it on the first try. And so yes. that dynamic of, of, of getting it right in, in the quickest fashion is still something that, that needs to be addressed. And obviously, that, that could be where the human component plays in. 100% agree with you again. It, like, look at, I mean, OpenAI has the first mover in this sort of what, what I'm calling, or a lot of people are now calling the golden age of AI, right? At Zeta, we've been doing this for 15 years. It's, we started out calling it automation, then deep learning, then machine learning. Now it's, now it went from AI to LLM or, you know, different type of models feeding into generative AI. When you look at sort of how this works, you have to really level set expectations. So back to open AI, their entire large language model is based on the internet pre-October of the year 2021. So if you want anything topical, 
as you know, what happened yesterday, it's very, very difficult to get that out of the current open AI large language model. Most people don't even realize yeah. that, right? At the same time, BARD is now trying to do it in real time. That's, of course, Google's platform. It'll be very interesting to see how that evolves. I always joke there's not a lot of first movers who ever really win. Most of the fir- most of the big winners have always been the second or third mover. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I have I have brought this up uh, this question next question up a couple of times and I get your thoughts on it as well uh, of the overall impact that AI will have on the education process on learning as you're looking towards individuals taking these positions in the in the decades ahead yeah so listen i I, first of all i'm i'm sort of of the school of thought we're still educating the vast majority of people in the united states for the industrial revolution that we exited in the 1950s when we became the sort of information technology society we are today and we're moving towards the artificial intelligence society of tomorrow, right? We have to retool our educational system to start to focus on where tech is going, right? Now, there's this whole narrative that AI is going to ruin learning. Like, that's like, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 53 years old, right? So I remember when I yep. couldn't bring an HP calculator to school. Like, I remember when that was a problem and when my my kids started going to school, they were bringing a computer with them. (laughs) So, you know, I think it's going to change the way we think about education. I think societies like you look at South Korea, they're already teaching classes on this. They're already moving to that. Like, what is the next phase of education going to look like? It's going to be more of a supportive stage of how do we work with machine learning and how do we work with generative AI versus how do we subjugate it? What, one of my favorite stories, I heard it recently, I was over at VivaTech in Paris and the minister of artificial intelligence from Dubai was giving a talk. I mean, I was right. first shocked that Dubai had a minister of artificial right. intelligence. And he then went on to say that he'd been doing it seven years. Like, it was really impressive. And his whole talk was about the Gutenberg printing press, which I have a level of fascination with as a technologist. And he said, when the Gutenberg printing press came out, when it was first invented, the Middle East was by far – the largest economy in the world. This was him giving the talk. I never really validated whether it was the Middle East or China, but it certainly wasn't Europe, okay? Six Mm -hmm. individuals who were ruling countries in the Middle East got together, and they made the Gutenberg printing press illegal. According to him, for 182 years, the Gutenberg printing press was illegal in the Middle East. In that 182 years... The European economy, which embraced that technology, tripled in size, and the Middle Eastern economy shrank. So we have to learn from that and understand that we need to embrace this technology 
to help us from a GDP perspective, to help us from a growth perspective. And that all starts, as I think you've surmised with your question, yeah. it all starts with education. David, great to have you with us. Thanks for a few moments. All the best. We will stay in touch. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it, Dan. You, you got it. David Steinberg, uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, Zeta Global. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.